Okay, you've got three pieces of paper. You've got your white bulletin. You've got your responsive prayer for catechesis. And then you also have a uh, the insert page for Sunday from which we will get our hymn, uh, which is there. So you'll need your 8.5 by 11 white sheet. Fold it so you got... The hymn that says First Sunday in Advent, this is the hymn that goes with that, and it is number one, titled Savior of the Heathen Come. So in the past, I've pulled out a hymn, we've taken a look at one stanza, and so for this hymn, you know, we do it for four or five Sundays or something like that. Um, we're going through, the choir's been working on the hymns of the day, uh, which are in the uh, hymnal coming out. We actually have the supplements downstairs, and uh, they are here. This is the hymn for the first Sunday in Advent. So, it's going to be a little bit difficult, but I'm not going to be going through one stanza each time. We're pretty well going to go through the hymn. So... I can't get through the whole hymn. I know this is just not going to happen. But we'll do the best we can to uh, uh, to take a look at it. So, uh, this one is quite familiar. Um, the title normally is Savior of the Nations Come. It's found in TLH. It's found in Lutheran worship. It is the uh, hymn for Advent. Uh, the hymn par excellence. Kind of funny, but it's included in the Christmas section in TLH. I don't know, but that's where it's included. Um, what do we have? Can I ask you about a word here? A word? Yeah. In Just Ky- one? Inchiridion. What does that mean? Um, an Inchiridion is a small teaching book, kind of like a catechism. Oh, okay. um, a small book of, of teaching. Yeah. Um, so, this hymn, originally written by Ambrose, as you see uh, it mentions here, kind of in the top left, uh, it is one of the... Oh, I don't know. I think it was like eight hymns or something like that. These were uh, hymns that he wrote. It was written to plain song melody. Um, it was translated uh, by Luther uh, into German. You can see it was included in a 1524 edition. And um, uh, that actually, the title of that is listed off to the right. Nun kom der Heiden Heiland. Uh, which is also the name of the tune that is used uh, with it. But it was then translated into English by a man named Neil, um, uh, Neil Mason, I think, um, if I remember exactly. Um, interesting enough, the translations that we have in English, most of them come from the German, <laughs> not so much directly from the Latin. And so uh, uh, this one uh, does as well. So it starts off with this. Um, let's, let's at least we'll work on a couple of the stanzas back and forth, but we'll 
try to get through the theology of most of it. Savior of the heathen come. Savior of the heathen come. Virgin Son, here make thy home. Virgin Son, here make thy home. Wonder at it, heaven and earth. Wonder at it, heaven and earth. That the Lord chose such a birth. So probably the first thing that you wonder is just at the title. Savior of the heathen uh, come. Uh, Nations or heathen, normally when you would think of, you think of those as the same synonymous or not quite? Yeah, different connotations. Yeah, aren't Christians makes it sound like he's a savior of the world, and that seems positive, and heathen is more of a negative, like, I mean, not that, it's not negative in the sense that, it's, it's yeah, it's good that he's coming to the heathen, that's not what I mean. But right, so when we talk about heathen, normally we would, you would think of the religious community and the rest being the heathen, where nations, like you said, might include all. Um, In a very similar way, if you are a Jew, well, how do you refer to the non-Jews? Gentiles. You're a Gentile. What is the uh, Latin that Ambrose had? Veni Redemptor Gentium, from Gens, from what they would call Gentiles, kind of being the the group that's not the religious group. Um, But that being said, um, you know, Luther, um, nun cum der Heidenheile, Highland is the savior. Haydn sounds like heathen, which is exactly kind of where that comes from. And so, it seems to be, uh, um, from the German, a little bit more than, than from the Latin, gens gentium actually just means nations. Um, so, there is this kind of, with the Latin and German, that one is emphasizing uh, the other. I mean, they're, they're, they're not... Speaking exactly synonymous of that. Pastor? Well, nations, heathen, Gentiles, sinners. sinners. <laughs> we, we like to say, well, I'm not a heathen. But the fact of the matter is, it ain't true as we say it. <laughs> That's right. Um, well, yeah. Aren't they both ways of saying for God to love the world? Yeah. I I mean, I think that's the way it's understood. Dan? Yeah, I was thinking, you know, when we think about the second coming, which is one of the things we're looking towards in Advent, you know, one of the signs of the second coming would be that Christ has been preached to all the heathen, the nations. So it's almost like a prayer that, hey, you know, Let's get it done. Let's get it coming. You know. <laughs> right, right. Um, when this starts off, uh, obviously, the emphasis upon he is the one who has come. Um, 
You know, Luther, uh, in his, now come, directs it almost to do it. Here, a statement of fact, Savior of the Nations, uh, uh, come, declaring it, but yet it is, you know, a prayer, uh, um, asking that, that that would be so. Um, Advent, we speak of, Advent means coming. Uh, we usually talk about threefold coming. Uh, what, are that, what is that Advent, threefold coming? As coming... Baby. What? As a baby. Come as a, in the human flesh as a baby? Or a second coming or more. Second coming, coming again. Here what? In the Word, in the Lord's Supper, in baptism, in absolution, is coming through the Word. So yes, we speak of, of those three ways. In fact, our Advent banners will be putting them up Saturday. Um, actually, uh, uh, speak of those of those three ways. So to speak of Him who has come as a baby in the human flesh. So what do we have? He is the Virgin's Son. It says here, make thy home. Obviously, we are uh, singing this in the church, asking that he would be uh, uh, home here where the, the word and the sacraments are, are being done. It describes or, or says that all heaven and earth, um, I guess we've left behind kind of the nation's idea, but, but both heaven and earth are to marvel, to wonder at it, um, this God becoming flesh. I mean, we, 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 we describe it in many ways. Oh, yes, he has two natures. He's both human and divine. Like many things in the Christian faith. All right, explain that. <laughs> yes, what do we do? We marvel at it. Uh, um, the scriptures clearly tell us that it is so. How is this so? I, I, it is. I don't know. Um, uh, we are to marvel at. We are to rejoice in this uh, um, uh, coming. That the Lord chose such a birth. What kind of birth? Well, one that was born of the Virgin. Is that important? Well, the next sentence, or the next stanza too. I'll just read. Not by human flesh and blood, by the Spirit of our God was the Word of God made flesh Woman's blossom, sweet and fresh. So how did this virgin birth come about? Well, not by, as it says, human flesh, not by Joseph. This isn't his son. Um, It is, as we confess in the Creed, from the Holy Spirit, uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, uh, it describes him here as the Word of God made flesh. Divine Word of God and, and yet of, of, of human flesh. Um, woman's blossom. I think normally it describes it with the... Um, this one says woman's... LW has woman's offspring, pure and fresh. This one, William's blossom. Um, later we're going to describe him as the fruit um, uh, of the womb kind of thing. Stanza three. Though the virgin was with child, chastity proved undefiled. 
Many a virtue rare forth shone. God was there upon his throne. The virgin had a child. The Latin uh, actually describes the clausa uh, partuar, uh, uh, the closed partition, the closed womb, um, uh, to describe him as one who was um, uh, born of a virgin, or, or here, as it says, uh, she gave birth and yet remained a virgin, chastity undefiled. Um, but this one who was born, uh, he is also the one upon the throne. Um, he is, you know, at all times um, our God, but but taking on human human flesh. For from the Father forth he came and returned unto the same. Down to hell he went alone and again to God's high throne. It describes the complete trip. <laughs> Not the one way. Um, but um, uh, down and, and back up again. Completes his journey. Um, I think the idea is that it describes that he did it all. He came, did what needed to happen for us, and, and that he returned. Um, my wife uh, took a look at this one and uh, did mention that uh, she appreciated uh, the TLH, uh, I think it was, one that says, From the Father forth he came and returneth to the same, captive leading death and hell, High the song of triumph swell. The idea that not just did he go down to hell, as if maybe you, know, you might misunderstand that he did this to suffer or die or, or something more. He went down to the victory parade. He went down, as it said, captive leading death. Um, he had completed his, ver- uh, uh, already on the cross, completed his, his journey, his, his mission. And so then he, he heads down Five, thou the Father's equal win, victory in the flesh or sin. By thy strength divine, O Lord, help to our frail flesh afford. And so it is by his divine nature that he uh, uh, helps us, uh, was able to overcome, um, and yet, in this flesh, he accomplished that victory for us. So he is both equal to the Father as touching his godhood, you know, and, and yet, according to his manhood, uh, uh, same as, as we are, but now together. Um, six describes the first coming with, Lord, thy manger is so bright, night sends forth. A novel light. Darkness must not enter there. Faith abides in light for air. Proceeds to uh, uh, night and dark, Im- or night and light imagery, or darkness and light uh, uh, imagery, and, and speaks of the manger where you know, we have the. Uh, light shone round about uh, the shepherds, and they came in. You know this this uh, 
theme that comes up with uh, birth, which maybe YTLH included this as a Christmas hymn uh, of sorts, but traditionally has been used in, in Advent. The final stanza uh, in the hymnal, they'll be designating the doxological stanzas with a little triangle saying it's time to stand up. Uh, Luther included, uh, praise to God the Father sing, praise to God the Son our King, praise to God the Spirit be ever and eternally. Any questions about the, the hymn? The tune with this one, there's occasionally many of these are going back uh, to 1880 and some, some other hymnals as well. Um, so sometimes we're going to uh, have a little bit difference in tune or something of that. This one is not so. This one is, is quite familiar and, and follows the tune, uh, that, the melody line that, that we're used to. So, All right, we'll be um, singing that one when we get to our catechesis service. Tonight we're taking a look at the fifth stanza of the Lord's Prayer. We're over the middle petition, the fourth petition, dealing with the daily bread. Um, And so we're on the back side with the fifth petition. Repeat after, well, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What does this mean? Repeat after me. We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny our prayer because of them. We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny our prayer because of them. We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny our prayer because of them. Our sins. Hmm. Uh, the petition, as we usually pray it, is forgive us our trespasses. What are trespasses? So, when the Reforms say, forgive us our debts, what's that? Sins. Same thing. Well, all right. So, we got got lots of words. Um, Iniquities. Uh, Yeah, sins. Um, Jane? Trespass kind of indicates stepping out of bounds. Out of the bounds of the law. Which one is? Trespassing. You know, when you trespass on somebody's property, you're not, it's not, you're not supposed to be there. Right. So we're, we're stepping outside of the bounds of, of the law. Very good. Bare bounds. That's, that was the word. I'm sorry. I just got it now. You, exactly. And so when we talk about our, and usually we use the base word sin for sure, but when we're talking about trespasses, it is the idea that, yes, we have left our rightful place. We have left our rightful bounds. Um, whether, you know, when we speak about um, Lucifer, the angel of light, he left his rightful place in heaven and did not remain, um, and, you know, and, and thus he, you know, he is Satan. What do we have? We too have left our bounds. 
I have my wife, that's my bounds. Your wife, that would be to trespass, sixth commandment. Um, you have other things where it might be uh, to steal or it might be, you know, what, whatever. You, you have the bounds of, of the pastoral office and preaching. You say, aha, that's been given. Um, yes, we each have our place where we have been put and the Lord has given us things. To trespass would be to take what does not belong to us, to leave our bounds behind. That's trespasses. What about debts? Well, we kind of owe God because he died for our sins. And therefore we how, how much do you owe him? <laughs> I mean, have you taken a loan out from him or what? Um, how much do you owe him for? What do you think, Karen? I'm just thinking the wages of sin is death. Yes. Well, because the debts we incur is so when is, I sin is, it, is, is sin. Yeah. Yeah. So when I sin, my debt is death. That is true. Absolutely. Um, our debt. We owe him everything. Our life. Everything about our life. We owe to him. <laughs> And our life. Like I said, did did you take out a loan from God for what? For food? For your house? For your car? Yeah, for my life. I mean, there's. um, I put out on the side. You know, everything we have is from Him. Um, So at this point, we owe Him everything. If we do sin, that is what He has given us, and don't use it as He has provided, or what? Well, yes, there is then a penalty and a addition to the debt that we already owe, which is everything. Um, and so uh, that also then, the wages of sin is death um, for sin, to the, the punishment that comes, that comes from it. What about iniquities? This is the, these are the three main words that are used in the scriptures regarding what we often just say is sin. Iniquities. You know what that emphasis for that word is? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yes, you're right. We have a wickedness, an evilness that, that comes to it. This is, you know, an, an intentional, and, and I would say goes to, I guess, the motivation of, of what is right as opposed to choosing the wrong, as opposed to morally um, wicked, depraved, kind of that kind of thing. Um, Yes, uh, um, in all these ways, we have many words um, that, that teach us about the various facets of our sin. Um, you know, they, they, they say that uh, what, uh, uh, Eskimos have lots of words for snow. Um, you know, not, I, I just know as far as I know, you know, but Why? Well, they got a lot of it. You know, I'm pretty sure when it comes to sin, yeah, we got a lot of it. Pastor? Well, I think it's interesting. If we go back to Genesis 3, Adam and Eve are in the garden. What, what, was, the trans, what was the trespass there? They trespassed into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, what was the result of that? They were removed from the garden. 
An angel was blocked, was put, put there to block their way from going back into the garden. They were, they were prohibited from eating of the tree of the fruit of, of good and evil so that they didn't live or that they couldn't live in their sin all the time. However, the tree of life. Uh, however, when you, when you think about that in the context of us sinning against God, some of this is already accomplished. We're here, and we're sinners. And we're going to be sinners until we're not here. In other words, when we die, we cannot escape from sin while we're alive. Physically, we can escape from sin all the time when we're alive spiritually. So, the, what happened in the garden is actually reversed by faith. And it will be reversed completely at the last day. Adam, Adam and Eve went from life to death. Then they died. On the last day, the resurrection, then they'll be alive again. And that's not for discussion there about the time lapse in there. So my next question was going to be concerning the sin in which you, if you're forgiven, do you have it still? And as you say, you know, listen, we're, we, we're never without it. Um, so when we say that Jesus died and took away the sin of the world, um, speaking of the atonement, you know, uh, um, what about your sin? Well, in this one, Luther has us say that, that our Father in Heaven would now look at our sin Though forgiven, right, you still have it till you die. The Lord puts into our mouth, forgive us our trespasses, and how often are we praying this? Well, if we're looking back to the fourth petition from last Wednesday, we know that at least it's to be done, give us this day our daily bread. At least daily we're to be praying this Lord's Prayer that he has provided. And so we're to be confessing our sins, asking God to not look at our sins daily. These sins are around. Why does the Lord put this in our mouth? Well, I have, I have heard those who have said, oh, yes, I don't sin anymore, you know. Um, well, there are also the ones that don't want to pray the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Luther, and I, I appreciate this quote, um, in which he says, that uh, this fifth petition, he says, but this should serve God's purpose of breaking our pride and keeping us humble. For in any case, anyone should boast of his godliness and despise others. God has reserved this prerogative to himself, that the person is to consider himself and place this prayer before his eyes, and he will find that he is no better than others, and that in the presence of God all must lower their plumes. And be glad that they can come to forgiveness. And a little later, he says, "If God were not for, if God ever ceased forgiving, we would be lost." So what happens? He puts this prayer in our mouths so that we might remember our condition. Uh, what are we praying, Lord? I've got sins. I don't like. I got a sinful nature. I'm struggling with. 
But I'm asking the Lord, don't look at it. Don't stare at my sin or don't deny my prayer because of them. Is that possible? Well, uh, for a holy God, that's exactly what should happen. But the next thing, Luther says this, repeat after me. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them. But we ask that he would give them all to us by grace. So, the prayer teaches us that we are not worthy, and we deserve so many other things, the punishment and all, but it's by his grace that he is giving us good things and not the punishment. He gave that to his son. Last part, for we daily sin much, and surely deserve nothing but punishment. So the grace that we ask for is the forgiveness of our trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses. Don't punish us for them. Though we know that they remain, we too trust in your forgiveness. We are fighting against those that have done. We're confessing, as he has told us, uh, trusting that he is forgiving. So we too will sincerely forgive... So we too will sincerely forgive and gladly do good, and gladly do good to, those to those who sin against us. Our Lord puts in connection with forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Luther interprets this quite correctly as a consolatory uh, uh, assurance, a promise. It's something that And I'm going to say most people come at this and go, oh, I'm really worried about that. That seems to be bad. And Luther says, oh, that's very comforting. Look what our Lord did. Now, here's the way Luther explains it. He says, our Lord forgives us because of his son. That's why he forgives. He does it out of grace, apart from anything that we have done. And so we ask him to forgive us our trespasses. We then ask him that as he has forgiven us, that we would be forgiving towards others. When we see the forgiving that God is working in us towards others, Luther says this is a secondary, it's an extra thing that God added to it. So that when you see that God is working that in you, you say, ah, here's another reason that I know that God has forgiven me. Look. He's forgiven me, and he's leading me to forgive others. He does make it quite clear, it's not that God forgives you because you forgive others. No, he forgives you because of Christ. But, um, you might say in the very same way, I know that I'm forgiven because Christ died for me. But, when the Lord leads me to church, and I sit here and hear his word, I go, well look, the Holy Spirit is working in me um, to come and to hear God's word. Um, Thank you, Lord, for, in addition to forgiving me, also working in me. And so it describes this as a uh, secondary consolation. Uh, You can see this in the large petition, uh, our large petition, the large catechism under uh, the fifth petition. All right, I'm a little bit past time. Any questions? Okay, let me light the candles. 
We'll begin with page 224. Please stand. Open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning. Is now and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ, King who comes to save us. Good. You may be seated. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is God's word. Our hymn, Savior of the Heathen, comes. Savior of the heathen, come, virgin son, here make thy home, wonder that it had mattered, that the Lord chose such a Not by human flesh and blood, by the Spirit of our God, was the Word of God made flesh, woman's blossom sweet and fresh. 
Sundays of the church year, uh, which deal with the coming and the particularly the last day, second coming, moving into Advent. It's not a, a, a jerk at all. We just kind of flow right on into it. Um, in fact, uh, going back to some of the older uh, lectionaries, the um, seven weeks that we have in, in Lent, uh, you take the four of Advent, the last three at the end of the church year, and you pretty well have another seven dealing with comings and, and those. But with Advent 1, again, we have the uh, first coming, Advent 1. Uh, the second coming, we'll be speaking about that with Advent 2. Uh, with Advent 3, we'll be talking about John the Baptist and kind of moving forward um, uh, with that. This one begins quite clearly with a prophecy. The prophecy is Zechariah 9.9. 9. Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. The Old Testament prophets foretold a king would come. Is this the first reference to Jesus? Oh, Pastor Rune already mentioned, listen, Genesis 3 already was said that there was going to be a, a male child who's going to crush the head of the serpent. There are many ways in which it speaks of it. But this in particular describes that male offspring, that one who is the anointed Savior, the 
priest. The prophet here is described as a king. And what does Zechariah let us know? He's going to come to you. Well, that's what we're speaking about. Jesus coming in human flesh and presenting himself to the nation. Uh, particularly to the promised nation, the one who had been given the promises, the Jews. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming. And what kind of king is he going to be? Lowly. Wow. What, what about the high and mighty king? What, what about the king that sits on the throne and every knee shall bow in heaven and earth. What about that king? That's the last yeah. <laughs> it's the same king. Same king. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that's a different time. Um, that's at the end. Uh, this is his coming for a purpose. He's come as a lowly king. Well, why wouldn't he come as the, uh, the king riding the white stallion, come to, you know, uh, um, defeat the enemy? Because this is him coming to be our substitute. Exactly. Um, this is his coming, and he has to allow himself to suffer and die to take away our sins. He comes lowly, he comes humbly, he comes... Uh, uh, here it has him sitting on a donkey, a beast of burden. Granted, during Zechariah's uh, prophecy of this, uh, you didn't have horses. Kings rode on donkeys. By the time the prophecy is fulfilled, the prophecy of him riding on a donkey is fulfilled in a very humble way. You would say, well, what kind of lowly king is this? Um, well, this is the one we have. He comes to ride on a donkey. In fact, it says he's going to ride on a colt. He's going to ride on a young boy donkey. Jesus sends a couple disciples, two of them in particular, uh, sends them ahead to go get. What do they find? Just exactly what Jesus said they'd find. They find a donkey tied up. They find a colt that's right beside her. How come the colt isn't tied up? Because his mom's there. His mom's there. He'll go wherever the mom goes. So they go find these donkeys. They steal them? No. <laughs> no. They're not trespassing. Um, but they do come and, and make known you know, what is said. And, and, and so he lets them take it. Um, uh, has this been prepared? I, we don't know the details. Did Jesus let this man know ahead of time? I... I um, when he says the master has need, you know, if you know who the master is, would you say, well, you can have anything I got. It all belongs to you anyway. Uh, I, I, we don't know. But they do just exactly what he says. They take this. They bring. Um, he comes in, you know, with these two donkeys. Um, two donkeys. You keep going, well, what? Uh, obviously, he's supposed to ride on a donkey. That's the literal you know, definition of the Savior. He's got to come riding in on, on a donkey. He's got to come to the nation. Jerusalem, that is where you present yourself to uh, them uh, uh, as the Savior, as the one come to the nation, to come to the, the Jewish race, the one that God has promised, the descendants of Abraham. When he comes, 
they welcome him with uh, the Psalms, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, it's Passover time. They're chanting Psalms. These are the Ascension Psalms. These are the Psalms you chant. Um, and so when you welcome Jesus in, these are ones that end up applying to Jesus because of the situation. Um, do they fully understand this? Probably not. But based upon his preaching and teaching, many of them saw him as the Savior. They recognized that he was that one. Um, and how would it all turn out? Uh, I don't know. That um, They didn't know at that time. So, he is the son of David. Who is David? Old Testament what? David is the king of Israel, whom God promised from your mind the Messiah will come. Exactly. So, this is the son of David, the promised king. The promised promised son of David. There's going to be a king. He's going to sit on David's throne. It's going to be forever. Yes, so this is God's promise that David's fulfilled. Exactly. Um, this is the one who is coming to save us. He's the one that comes, you know, not just, you know, um, it, it's one of these, if you come in the name of the Lord, you know, you, you, you might say that of, of me even, saying, aha, you're, you're, you're coming, um, you know, with, with God's blessing. But Jesus, more than just any prophet, um, he comes you know, as the Lord. So to come in the name of the Lord, he is it. Um, not just the representative, but the one who is, is the Son of God, the second person. So here he is and he comes. He comes to, by the end of the week, suffer and die. He comes in on Palm Sunday. By Good Friday, he is dead, but that is his work for us. That's what he intended to do. Um, so when we confess with Advent one that Jesus has come in human flesh and that he is the promised Savior, we go on to confess that he is also the one that in that human flesh he was to suffer and die. They carried palm branches when we get to the book of Revelation and you see the people who are victorious in heaven, they're carrying palm branches. Why? It's a symbol of victory. And so already here, they're proclaiming him as the victorious king, them as ones who are going to be redeemed and are, are victorious um, they are giving him the red carpetry, but they're throwing down their coats. They're allowing him to, to, to come in upon that. Um, so that is a, a prophecy uh, literally fulfilled. Let's talk in bigger pictures. Let's, let's talk in... We've got, we've got two donkeys. Um, we've got the old mare that's tied up. Um, the colt that's not. They have to untie the mare and lead her along. Um, Jesus is, is only riding on one donkey. He's riding on the colt who is following behind. 
It's a picture of the Old and New Testament. It's a picture of the Old Testament Jews who were tied up, who were bound by the law until the Savior would come. When Jesus comes in riding, you might say, the New Testament animal, he is the one who, we have been set free in Christian freedom. Um, we are no longer bound by, by that. The Savior has come. And so here comes that which is, is the New uh, Testament, if you will, and, and Jesus is coming in. Why does he have to come to them? They can't come to him. Why can't we? Why can't we come to him? Because of our sin, sinful nature. That is, we are dead in trespasses. We're bound. We talk about having a bound will, right? We don't have a free will. Um, no, in, in sin we are bound. We have to have God come to us. We can't come to Him. And so the good news is His coming to us. And that he doesn't come, you know, blowing a hole in sinners, because that would be us. He comes lowly to those who are bound, and he sets us free. He takes those who are in slavery, and by forgiving their sins, um, he sets them free. How does he do this? Well, he does it through his word. He does it through preaching and teaching. He does it by... uh, the law which shows us our sins and, and creates repentance in us. We can't work that up in ourselves. The law is it. He does it through the gospel that creates faith in us, uh, um, uh, awakens us, gives us a new birth. Uh, we talk about his coming not just in, in word, but in, in baptism with a new birth. He comes in Lord's Supper as well uh, uh, to continue to strengthen and to restore that uh, right spirit within us. So he's doing those things once we become a Christian. Um, there's a fight going on. Um, I'm completely free? Well, no, I've got a sinful nature with me. But I do have a new spirit. I do have new desires. I do wish to. That will come along with the forgiveness of sins. And so... Like those who are here, we wish to welcome the one who comes to us. That's what believers do. We wish to be here where God is coming. Um, He came to us, and now he has moved us, uh, that we might come and receive him in the word and sacraments gathered around, uh, around his church. Questions? There's a couple more, but I... Um, the multitudes. What do we read about the multitudes? I mean, normally you'd think, you know, they're one and then they all follow, but this is before and after. Old Testament comes before the New Testament believers come after. Um, you see the one who is the fulfillment um, of all Old and New Testament. Um, he comes and is working. He comes to uh, uh, provide you know, for us. 
Tonight, if you take a look at your blue sheet, usually about half the year we go through the recite word by word, which includes all the scripture parts that are included in the six chief parts. In this one, I use a responsive prayer. It includes the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer. I usually include a, a different psalm. We'll do it for about six months. Uh, this one happens to be Psalm 107. Um, 107 is particularly known for the phrase, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. It's repeated about four or five times throughout Psalm 107. It's also one in which it, it speaks about how those who are his enemies will finally get their reward, and, and, and that is true. I didn't pull those out. Um, we don't have, we've only got room for a certain number of verses. Um, and so I pulled out the ones uh, that describe what the Lord has done for us, um, how he provides for us in so many ways. He takes, you know, the desert and makes it a spring, and he takes, you know, uh, the rivers and puts them in the wilderness. All of the things that he uh, does for us. Go to the back page. He also blesses them. They multiply greatly, and he does not let their cattle decrease. Verse 43, as it concludes this psalm, it says, Whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Um, We look back at what the Lord has done in, in taking care of our needs, in providing for us, in being gracious to us, even in uh, dealing with our enemies on our behalf. And we observe, and the wisdom comes in knowing that this is all his loving kindness that he has uh, provided for us. So we'll be using uh, that psalm that this evening. Going on down, I always pull out a, a, a new prayer. It's usually a, a bit involved. Last year, or last year, we used the one for before the Holy Gospel. Uh, this one is a prayer that's designated after the hearing of the gospel. It says, So God, who hast sounded into our ears the divine and saving, divine and salutary oracles, uh, we use that for salutary, it simply means saving, uh, from salus. Um, and so, having heard the gospel, we've heard your words about saving us. And so it asks that God would make light, he would illuminate the souls of us sinners to the comprehension of that which has been read, that we might comprehend, that we might know uh, what he has taught us, so that, we might, that, so that we may not only be seen to be hearers of spiritual things, and that's what we are, we're those who are here, but also that we might be doers. And so it's going to describe uh, those things uh, that we would be uh, uh, doers of good works, that we would be those who are following after faith without guile, that we would have this blameless life, seem to be uh, that way, that our conversation would be without a charge of guilt, that is, that, that we would say nothing false. Uh, and then, in Christ Jesus, our Lord, with whom thou art blessed, with thy most holy and good and quickening spirit, now and ever, to the ages of ages, amen. A little bit different ending than we're normally used to, but it, it speaks of the Holy Spirit and his work of working through 
uh, the gospel message. So that will include, uh, well, will be our prayer, will include uh, this evening. All right, please stand. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, you shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. That men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. He turns rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into the ground. A fruitful land into wilderness for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. He turns a wilderness into pools of water and dry ground into the water springs. There he makes the hungry dwell, 
sow fields and plant vineyards, that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them and they multiply greatly, and he does not let their cattle decrease. Whoever is wise will observe these things. And they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Let us pray. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come to rescue us from the threatening perils of our sins and save us by your promised deliverance. For you now live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, we confess that we have not praised your name and asked for your Hosanna. We request uh, that you would forgive us our sins, that you would humbly come to us uh, and remove from us our transgressions. We give thanks to you for coming to us and for continuing to shower out your graciousness upon us. We ask it all through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The final petition. O God, who has sounded into our ears by divine and salutary oracles, illuminate the souls of us sinners to the comprehension of that which has been read, so that we may not only be seen to be hearers of spiritual things, but doers of good works, following after faith without guile, blameless life, Conversation without charge of guilt in Christ Jesus our Lord, with whom thou art blessed, with thy most holy and good and quickening spirit, now and ever and to ages of ages. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen.